Michigan unbeaten no more. Piling on now is Iowa as they crack the 50 mark against the mighty Buckeyes. But when his number was called, seven got six. What's up and welcome to Spoko Radio presented by Blackheart Gold Pants, SB Nation's community for the Iowa Hawkeyes. I'm your host, DC. The three-man weaves back together again with me as always. It's Jerry Sherwin. Jerry, how's it going? We are taking the lovely adventure into the best time of year for college hoops, and I am very, very excited. Fingers crossed that there will be actually fans in these stands in these March Madness games. We're not dying from corona here, baby. <laughs> and with us also, it's the people's champ, David Johnson champ. How are you this week? No one's scared of any coronavirus. It's a glorified flu. We're ready to go. Fill the stadiums up with people. Play the tournaments like they should be played. This is what college basketball is. Is what college basketball is all about this time of year. Conference tourney time and NCAA tourney time. It's going to be a wonderful couple weeks and going into like a month and a half all the way to the end of the tournament. It's just the best time of the year, and let's just hope the coronavirus keeps it, keeps everything on schedule as we are anticipating. Guys, subscribe to the show wherever you guys get your podcasts. We are on every single podcast platform. Tell a friend to subscribe. Have them tell a friend to subscribe also. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at BHGP, at Shy People's Champ, at Jerry Sherwin, and at Dave Cray. Not only do you guys get your hot Iowa takes, you also get some hot reality TV takes from Vanderpump Rules and The Bachelor, as Jerry and I were doing uh, tonight before we started recording. Uh, guys, let's kick the show off with a little bit of news. Nebraska is making some changes to their basketball roster heading into the Big Ten tournament. They are putting two football players on the roster heading into the tournament because they have suspended two players and don't have enough players otherwise. So, my question to you to kick off the show this week, Jerry, we'll start with you. If you could put two football players on the Iowa roster on the Iowa basketball team for this weekend, who do you who are you putting on that team immediately? Immediately, without question, I'm bringing in Nate Stanley, who was uh, his high school team's career scoring leader with th- over 1,300 points during his four-year uh, varsity basketball career where he was a starter for all four years. Nate Stanley, I don't think people realize because he overthrew some guys, and when he moves, it doesn't look very slick. But that dude is a legit athlete. Not only did he play quarterback, not only was he a four-year starter and is his, his team's leading scorer, but he also had a fastball, too, and was a great baseball player. Nate Stanley could have gone and played any of the three sports if he wanted to at a high collegiate level. So I'm going to put the captain of my football team and on the basketball team right now, and I guarantee he can go in there right away and give us some Ryan Creener-type minutes in a pinch, especially if him or Pemsel get in some foul trouble early on. The other guy I'm putting on the team is Geno Stone. Now, you guys knew you know, from hey, the very— Hey, before you keep going, you took two guys who just left the team early or just left their seniors. I mean, I thought the whole point of this exercise were guys that were actually on Iowa's football team now. They're both gone, but— Go ahead, Jerome. Are, are they current? They were on the football team, and now I'm able as a senior to put them on the basketball yeah, team. But they both left to go get ready for the NFL draft. So the, why they're not even well, on campus? I'm, I'm having them come back. They're going to take basket weaving 101 <laughs> for the next two two months. 
right, well, why you- Anyways, Geno Stone anyway. also lettered in basketball in Pennsylvania, and if he's an East Coast-type basketball player like a Joe Toussaint, those two going up and down the court with Bakari Evelyn, who have been tra- transcendent the last couple of games, I want those two on my basketball team moving forward. All right. Well, if Jared could expand the guys who probably aren't even on campus anymore, those are the guys he would pick. Champ, who are you putting on this Iowa basketball team heading into the Big Ten tournament, if you could? Uh, I'm gonna put Abdul Hodge and Drew Tate because they're still <laughs> are they still on the team because they they graduated. I could just put them on the basketball. Those would be team, bad right? picks that, right now. They're like super uh, old. Uh, all right, okay. So I will actually pick a couple. Just put Raphael Eubanks while you're at it. Currently on the Iowa football team, not guys who have Sean Green on to the NFL. Uh, I am gonna go with. Brandon Smith, because I think he's got uber athleticism. He can go up and get the ball. He's got massive hands. He can go get you some rebounds. He does? Maybe he can get a goddamn defensive (laughs) rebound because Iowa, for some reason, has forgotten how to defensive rebound the last couple games. That has led to two losses, two big things in that. So maybe Brandon Smith can use those triple X hands to go grab a rebound. And then I am going to go with this one. He's probably not a very good basketball player, but give me his size and give me a Larrick Jackson. Put that big body in the middle. He's at least five fouls for you. He can create some havoc down low, put his ass into somebody, box out again, maybe get some rebounds. Uh, and if anything else, he can provide uh, some fouls that Ryan Creener and Luca Garza don't have to pick up. I legitimately just opened up the possibility of bringing back a guy that's trying for the NFL. Why wouldn't you put Tristan in that position? Come on, champ, because be better. I actually followed the rules. <laughs> there were no of Dave rules. Gray, and the question was current Iowa players, so I. They are current the Iowa football players. Okay. <laughs> These two are a little feisty this week. I'm surprised neither of you guys went the tight end route, the tight end to basketball transition. Sam Laporta is right there hanging out for you. He's a four-year basketball, high school basketball player. He would come in immediately and contribute to this team. Additionally, Chip, I'm with you on Brandon Smith because as all we're hearing this week from the player of the year race, if you can jump and do flashy dunks, you're going to be national player of the year. Brandon Smith is going to be able to dunk and finish alley-oops all tournament long for getting passes from Conor McCaffrey, and apparently that's all that matters to the national basketball media in terms of what's actually good being a basketball player. So give me Brandon Smith, too. Put him on the wing, let him go chase down some alley-oops, and maybe Iowa goes all the way to the Big Ten tournament. Maybe it'll put a fire under Joe Wieskamp's ass to actually play some better basketball as well if Brandon Smith comes in there in that wing position and plays well. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, these are just these these are the options that I would go with. You get the actual best player in Sam Laporta to give you some good minutes. You go a little bit smaller, let him play down low. If you get get Creener and Pencil some some breasts off the bench, and you get the uh, high flying athlete to come in there and and tr- take the house down with some big dunks. Do we think that either of the Nebraska players are actually going to get into any of the games in the Big Ten tournament, or do you think they're just glorified bench pieces? I think they're more glorified bench pieces. One guy's an offensive lineman, so I don't think he's playing very much. <laughs> yeah, I don't. The other one's a quarterback, yeah. right? Yeah, he might get in there. I feel like they both are going to play. Hey, I mean. I mean, they're, they're probably going to get blown out, so it would be like a cool thing to put them in at the end of the game and be like, oh, look, two football Dave, players. Fred Hoiberg has given us a reason cool. to watch the Nebraska Big Ten basketball game. Yeah, it's true. true. Can I change one of my picks? No, who won AJ Epinesa? No, I'm going to take Geno Stone out, and I want to put Oliver Martin in because at least one athletic program at Iowa will use him. <laughs> 
<laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, there you have it, guys. I think I think with Nebraska playing some football guys this weekend, or potentially playing some football guys this weekend, we would all be selling on Nebraska going into the Big Ten tournament. But what I want to know from you guys, going into this tournament, the, the bracket's finally set for the weekend. Wednesday night, everything's kicking off. Who are three teams you're either buying or selling heading the tournament champ? We'll start with you. All right, I'm gonna go. Can we? We can put like a couple buying, one selling. Is that that's however fair game? you want to do it? You could go even more than three if you want to. You really like rules tonight, all of a sudden. I just, I just want to play by the rules. I missed a week. I feel like I need to get back in there and abide by the rules <laughs> of our beautiful host DC. I mean, I'm just making sure. All right. He is beautiful. My, my three teams. I'm gonna go two buyers, one seller. Uh, I will start with my two buyers, and I think my first team that I'm going to buy in this tournament is the Michigan State Spartans. I think they're playing exceptional going into this tournament. They're on a roll. They've been. This is the best basketball I've seen them play all year. Uh, they're the number two seed going into this tournament. Uh, they'll probably have to face a Maryland team in the semifinals if they both get there. Uh, and they've shown that they can beat Maryland in Maryland, so they can do that on a neutral floor. I'm buying the Spartans. The second team I'm buying, and this is may surprise some people based on the last couple games, I'm buying the Iowa Hawkeyes <laughs> because I actually like their draw in this tournament. They Same. are coming in as the five seed. I think they handle business against either Minnesota or Northwestern, most likely Minnesota. They've beaten them twice. I know it's hard to beat a team three times. Jared mentioned that a little bit last week's show, on last week's show. That's very difficult to beat a team three times. But I think they handle Minnesota, and then they're, then they're going to face Illinois for the third and final grudge match. And I think they're going to beat Illinois. I think they learned some things in this last game, specifically in that second half. Illinois dominated much of that half. Iowa did have a nice comeback at the end to get it close. But I think they're going to learn some things. They're going to beat Illinois. And then it's a probable matchup against Wisconsin in the semifinals. And I think Iowa matches up very well against Wisconsin. I think they can beat Wisconsin. I know they will have to have played an extra game than Wisconsin has had to play leading up to that game. But I love their draw. I think Iowa can get to the championship game where they would face Michigan State, and then who knows what happens. Then it's the championship. I think we would all be happy for them getting there, considering their recent uh, lack of success in the Big Ten tournament. Um, so those are my two buying. My one selling, I mentioned, the, they're going to end up having to probably play Michigan State, and that's Maryland. I just have not seen a lot from Maryland uh, over the last, I'd say, six to eight games. They haven't looked good. They have gotten a couple wins that I felt they were kind of lucky to even get those kind of wins, but I really don't see much of them. I think they could be a one-and-done. I wouldn't be surprised if they were even upset before they got to play Michigan State. I wouldn't be surprised if they're you know, upset in that 3-6 uh, game where you know, it's going to be a tough game for them, and I, I, I don't like Maryland at all going into this tournament. I think they're a one-and-done. No, I think, Champ, to build on the Iowa thing real quick, because I was buying them as well. The big thing to me is that rematch with Illinois, the third the third game, not in Champaign, not in Iowa yep. City. CJ Frederick won't actually be fouled every time he every time he tries to make a move on the. On Are the you sure? Shout out to you, my sock summer. Um, but to me, he like, doesn't listen. He doesn't even know we have a podcast. Remember? That's true. That's whatever. <laughs> you know, it's fine. But you know what? He he was saying that we uh, he never heard anybody complain about about being fouled every single time on the court. Apparently, he never watched college sports very recently either. But that's besides the point. I think this draw is really, really good for Iowa, and I think 
the the opportunity to play Illinois for a third time is motivating enough. You mentioned the Wisconsin draw. Those are all really good things, in my opinion. But to me, it, it's just getting Illinois on a, on a neutral court for the third time, I think, is a huge advantage to Iowa going this way. Jared, who are you buying and selling? So right off the top, similar to kind of what Champ was saying with the Maryland deal, I'm buying Penn State. I think Penn State's road is similar to Iowa's where they can easily beat Maryland, who they beat earlier in the season. I believe, if I have it right, they only played them one time this season. Correct, they did, and they beat them by seven points. Um, It was at home. So if Penn State's able to go and beat Maryland again at the Big Ten tournament, Penn State's always been a finicky team, and I think last week I kind of berated them a little bit, but they are also a solid basketball team, and them sitting at the sixth seed, you go and play Maryland, and then after that, like they beat, they're one and one against Michigan State. So they have the type of team that has proven that they can beat Michigan State. It's a rubber match. It's a similar type of route for Penn State fans as it is for Iowa fans, and I know that they think that they can win those two games and get their way into a Sunday matchup against one of the top seeds, not Wisconsin. Thank you for bringing up that sixth seed that was obviously escaping my memory. I couldn't pull up Penn State out of my mouth, but yes, very good call, Jerome. I like that. Yes. Um, so going into that, the team I'm selling is Wisconsin. I don't know who Greg Gard sold his soul to. I'm not going to go ahead and just assume it was the devil, but Bo Ryan, we all know, did also a similar type deal back in the day to make Wisconsin relevant in basketball. So I just don't believe Wisconsin. I think this Cinderella run is destined to end. I think they're going to be in a world of hurt. Like if it, if Michigan gets there, like I I could just see Juwan Howard getting those guys up and ready to go, getting rid of Wisconsin right off the top. I'm not telling you guys it's going to happen, but go ahead and put call your bookie now. I think it's going to happen. I mean, I literally, Jerry, I wrote down in my selling Wisconsin, and I just literally wrote next to him, just come on. It has to end sometime. It, just, it has to. I just This is college basketball. This run that they've been on, it doesn't on, make like any a sense. seven or eight game winning streak, right? They are on a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight game winning streak, including wins over Ohio State at home, Purdue at home, Rutgers at home, Michigan on the road, who will be looking for a little revenge, and Indiana away. Wow. So uh, <laughs> all of these games have been – I mean, outside of a Minnesota game, all of them have been like decent wins right off the top. So, yeah, I'm selling Wisconsin. I don't believe in it at all. I'm going to go ahead and pick one more, one more team that I'm buying, and it's the Michigan State Spartans. Champ, you already talked about the Iowa Hawkeyes. I'm good with that, but I agree with you 110%. I said it last week. I'm sticking by it. Michigan State's going to win this entire thing. I think right now they are the healthiest they've been. I think they have the most amount of fire under them and passion to go into March. This is Tom Izzo's range. This is when he gets these teams to buy in. This is when they start rebounding Sounder. They play harder defense. Cassius Winston, if you don't like him, I'm sorry. You don't like college basketball. I'm rooting for that kid to succeed here. Yes, I want Iowa to go as far as possible but this michigan state team also has the best chance to win an actual big 10 championship and ncaa championship for the first time since 2000 is that right guys sounds right they've made a bunch of final four but i mean they did it last year cassius winston at this time of year just turns him to another level i mean he should you he showed it last year the elite eight i remember watching that game in vegas going nuts i bet michigan state they went in and they beat duke everybody thought duke was a hands-down Best team in college basketball was Zion Williamson. They're going to go win the national championship. And what did Michigan State do? They went and beat them, led by Cassius Winston. And you're right, Jerome. Izzo just does this every year. He gets his team playing its best heading into this time of year. 
it's amazing because you watch some of their games early on. They lost by like 35 points to Purdue, and you're like, is this team even going to be, you know, relevant when it comes time to the tournament? And it just happens every year. They flip that switch when it comes to, you know, end of February, early March, and they go into the Big Ten and they go into that CA tournament red hot. And this year is no different. Also, I want to make one thing clear, champ. This could potentially not be the last time Iowa plays Illinois because currently, as stated, Iowa is a six seed in the Midwest. Illinois is a seven seed in the East. They can meet each other in the Final Four. So let's all just hope that happens. That would be wonderful. That would be two crazy runs by a six and seven seed, but I'd take it. It would be wild. I'm with both of you guys on, on Michigan State. I'm buying them big time. Champ, I'm with you on Iowa. The other team I'm going to throw into in the buying sense, kind of hot. Ride that, ride those with that late season win streak. Rutgers, they mm. knock off Maryland. They have another win at the end of the year versus I think it was Purdue, and they they come in they come into the tournament hot. You can beat a, a a team that's sleeping on you like Michigan might be, and you you get to the you get to the next weekend or the the what that'd be Friday of the tournament. Why not? It could yeah, they, it's going to be a good that that Rutgers Michigan game is going to be a hell of a game. I think they only played once this year, yeah. Uh, but that's going to be a good game. I mean, I, I could definitely see the winner of that game, like you both have said, Jair saying Michigan beating Wisconsin, DC saying Rutgers beating Wisconsin. I can see either of those teams giving Wisconsin a great game. Yeah, I mean, I just think it, it should be a good game. And the other team I'm going to sell is actually Team Jerry's buying, and it's Penn State. I think that they've hit a very rough patch of the season. It's a type of style that maybe they just seem like they're they're hit a wall, and it could, you know, be a pretty quick exit for Penn State just based on on where they're going. Yes, I know the motivations are the same argument we're making on the Iowa sense, but honestly speaking, like I'm buying Iowa right now, but I also could sell on Iowa and say it's just undermanned team that's that's losing their legs late in the season. It's the same. I think Penn State. Oh, don't I let's mean, not do that. We could realistically would any of us be shocked if Iowa and Penn State both lost their first games? If Iowa probably against Minnesota, Penn yes. State most likely against Indiana. We could we would neither I don't think any of us would be shocked if they lost their first games and I don't think any of us would be shocked if they went deep in the tournament. That's how crazy both yeah. of these teams have played and how crazy the Big Ten has been this year. I don't think either is going to lose, but I, it, you're right, Champ, the way you're phrasing the question, it wouldn't shock me, right? I, I wouldn't be totally, like, dumbfounded if it happened. Yeah. I mean, when when Penn State loses to Northwestern, I mean, anything can honestly happen with that team. As John, That's what I think is the spark that's going to get them over that hump, though. I think that was the ass-kicking. Again, this is a similar thing that I said last week. I think that was the ass-kicking Iowa needed. I think that was the ass-kicking Penn State needed. That's how they ended their season. I'm sure that's not how they want to go out. I think they're a better team than what they showed against those last three games. Similar with Iowa. I would be shocked, honestly, if one of those two teams were to lose. On Thursday, yeah. Correct. Yeah, I mean, it can easily make that case, too. I mean, I just think Penn State riding a little bit. I mean, we said the same thing about, about after the Purdue game, Jaron. They went and Iowa played really hard. They still lost another game. It's not that they won't play hard. Just hate that. Don't make enough shots at the end of the game. And Jer said it's hard. To, it's most likely going to be Minnesota. They're probably going to be Northwestern. And it's hard to beat a team three times. But It'll be closer to the 20-point Minnesota win than it will be the 3.1 from a couple weeks ago. 
I just I don't believe Minnesota's that good. I mean, they just don't have the shooter. Oturu's obviously wonderful, but I just don't think they have the shooting unless they. Wieskamp's going to break out. Oh, I mean, <laughs> if we got, eventually it has to happen. We keep calling for it, so eventually it has to happen. It's our Trey Burton for this podcast. We all, we all three of us are Bears fans. Every Sunday we sit there and tell each other that this is going to be the Sunday that me. Trey Burton doesn't have a mental issue and he breaks out. Well, Joey Wieskamp, congratulations. You're on Trey Burton status. Hopefully me and you don't jump off board like we did with Trey Burton and it's only DC we're rooting for Joe Wieskamp. See, I sarcastically say on board because someone has to stay on Trey Burton Island. Um, anyway, the other thing Jerry's making a call for recently is – Changing the way we do nachos, and this is going to take us into champs pick six this week. Jerry tweeted on Monday, as a nation, we are doing nachos wrong. I'm tired of getting buckets and plates piled high with ingredients in the middle that just end up ruining the top layer. I propose moving forward, we place them on a long tray or charcuterie board with one single layer and equal ingredients. Jerry, do you have anything else to expand on your nacho takes yesterday on Monday oh on Twitter? My God. Because a lot of people had a lot of nacho thoughts for you. There's literally nothing worse than the way we do nachos. If you're sharing it with multiple people and you're trying not to get coronavirus, how do you get the nacho onto your plate when they are put into a bucket? You do you do the do you do the fork and thumb, but then you end up dropping half of them? Or do you just go in and eat one at a time, but then your your fingers are always in the bucket? And then on top of it, the top layer is always delicious, right? Except for when you get the one that has all the sour cream on it. Then nobody else gets any sour cream. Or you get the one nacho that has 17 jalapeno peppers, all the seeds on it, and your mouth's on fire for the entire duration of the meal. Can I give you, then, a, can I give you a quick thing with this, just with the sour cream? I agree with you on pretty much everything else. What I do when I get nachos usually is, yes, there's usually like a big dollop of sour cream like right in the middle of the nachos what you do is you take one of the little small plates that they give you you scrape either with a spoon or a fork whatever you have in front of you you literally just take that whole dollop of sour cream and you put it on that plate if anyone wants to dip on into sour cream now there's a separate plate for that sour cream and you don't have that one chip that's full of sour cream, and then nobody gets the sour cream. Continue. This proves rough. my point that we're doing it wrong. I should not have to do this step. I should have it equally distributed so I get the perfect amount, or it's already given to me in a bowl that I can then dip, or I can take a knife and spread it on my own plate and dip it in my own chip. You want a on top bar. of that, you want a nacho bar. At your table. I know. I, table. I know. I don't want to prepare it myself. I'm ordering food at a restaurant. You I don't, like you don't want to have like each ingredient in its separate plate or separate bowl, and then you can just kind of dip the plain chip into whatever ingredient you want. You I'm probably not at a don't baseball game. I want, want. I you want it all on the same chip, and that would <laughs> not be difficult. Not baseball games. I mean, you get when we fed a baseball game. I go and I get they put jalapeno peppers on top. I get a side dish of cheese and I have to dip it myself. No, I want to pull it off the plate with the perfect amount of cheese, beans, meat. But I think that's just yeah. that's you're not. That's no, not this, I'm not. You're not getting budged on this. This is there's no. This is the way it's supposed to be. Do you know and on actually, top of it, you're not letting me finish. As I think of this, you know who does nachos right? Chilies. <laughs> I haven't been to Chili's in a while. Yes, but their nachos are like individual plate. chips in a circle. And each nacho has, like, cheese, bean, jalapeno, and a little dollop of sour cream on each individual nacho. Correct. And the chip is never soggy. It's yeah. always yeah, crisp. I haven't had them in a while, but they do it right. They do it right. The queso is always right there. 
also, again, the worst part about the bucket of, of nachos is that after you get rid of the top layer and that then your, your piggy friend eats the majority of the good stuff, you're just left with a bucket of chips and no salsa or queso or anything to dip them in. So you just leave them. So you paid $10 for a nacho platter and didn't even eat the majority. Or you're like it's scavenging for like that random little piece of chicken in like the corner of the plate and like trying to combo right. it with a couple beans. and yeah. But I, Billy already dropped it off of his right and he touched it with his this. thumb eight I times. I uh, I think I was working when you were doing this on Twitter, but you're right on. This is a great call. I mean, this, it brings us perfectly, champ, to this week's pick six. It is the food appetizers, champ six. Let's see. Do, do not really even crack the list here, champ. Well, I'm, we're just going to have to wait and see. As right. DC said, the pick six, the champs pick six this week. And I, I made it to restaurant appetizers. It's not just appetizers in general it's not what you bring to your super bowl party or your weekend you know get together with friends this is strictly top six restaurant appetizers i will begin with my number six choice and it's fried calamari i absolutely love calamari you get yourself a little lemon you sprinkle the lemon on the fried calamari you have yourself a little it 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 really doesn't matter to me whether it's marinara marinara on the side or if it's cocktail sauce, I think both are equally as good with the fried calamari. I know some people have a preference. Myself, I don't care. I'll dip it in either. They're both wonderful choices. Number six, fried calamari. Number five on the restaurant appetizer list are egg rolls. I mean, how could you go to a Chinese restaurant and not get egg rolls with your meal? They're absolutely wonderful. The crunch, the meat, vegetable combination inside you dip it in a little uh, mustard and the, the, the sweet sauce combo on the side. It's beautiful dipping. I enjoy a, south, beautiful dipping. a southwestern egg roll from Chili's. Those are wonderful. I'm Philly not, egg roll? Shout out Chili's, man. Roll. We need a sponsorship. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not limiting myself to just, let's say, going out to Chinese food egg rolls. I'm encompassing any type of fried egg roll that you can think of. I'm sure there's some I haven't even tried before that are wonderful. Chili's really needs to get at us with the hashtag dip beautifully for their appetizer menu. We now own that the rights for that. Chili's, if you want them, you can get with Spoko. Yeah, Chili's, I haven't, like I said, haven't had it in a while, but their nachos and their uh, Southwestern egg rolls are absolutely dynamite. All right, number four on the list. I had to go kind of with a healthier option, although when you Why? have the all it's, your it's list. not it's not even really a healthy option honestly it's just, I'm not eating appetizers for health it's not fucking hummus i didn't say that don't worry it's spinach and artichoke dip i think it's a very not underrated it's not healthy that's terrible for you appetizer it's got artichoke in it so that makes it kind of healthy but the cheese <laughs> combo and the chips that you eat it with or like the bread is not very healthy obviously but that's number four on the list. I love spinach and artichoke dip. It's a, it's one of the appetizers that me and my wife can agree on because sometimes she doesn't want the fried options, and we know my big ass will eat anything fried. So we'll go with the spinach artichoke dip. It's a good compromise. Number three, as Jerry said, is nachos. I mean, I, I even though a lot of people don't do them right, I still always get nachos. The, I know the three of us consistently, even with Z or whoever we're going out with, we always order nachos. It's like a staple of ours. We like to shove them in. I love a nice little chicken nacho, <laughs> maybe a steak. Even if there's not meat on them, nachos are still wonderful. So nachos are number three. Number two is a staple for everybody in the world, or it should be 
mozzarella sticks with a little marinara on the side. Just a You're wonderful. having a hard time with marinara tonight. And marinara, marinara, potato, potato, same thing. Either way, mozzarella sticks are wonderful. You can be completely sober. They're even better when you've had a few drinks because you can just <laughs> pop those babies down. Ask Jerome about that in New York. We had a nice little platter of mozzarella sticks at a diner at about 5 in the morning. It was great. So those are my number two on the on the top six list. And Random number comments one. Comments that follow the rankings are just delightful. <laughs> I mean, you gotta have a little commentary. I what do you anyone nobody wants to hear me just rattle off six things without a little backstory to each of them. I mean, come on, this is the pick six. You gotta have a little commentary. <laughs> All right, number, number one. one number one is chips and salsa slash queso slash guac. Yes. I included all three of those things as one thing. Dip beautifully, because baby. Because they're so fucking good with chips, and you can literally have them at any time, chips and queso. Don't can you have them with a Gatorade snack? Don't tell me you go to any time you go to a Mexican restaurant that you don't indulge in chips and salsa, because if you say you don't, you are an absolute liar. When they put that chips and salsa platter right in front of you, Everybody's going after that. And then you might want to get yourself a little guacamole with that. And so that's why I included chips and guac and salsa and queso all as one thing. That is my number one appetizer. Absolutely wonderful. So that's Champ's pick six this week. Jared, do you have anything catch your eye in terms of what was his equivalent of Gatorade on this week's list? Um, I, I do enjoy a good mod stick, but I feel like they are overrated. Oh, Mike, how could you say overrated? They're fucking wonderful. It's, you know, it's just my opinion. I don't know why. I'm trying to think what I would sub it in for. I've, I've been trying to think I've the whole time. I've never seen your big ass turn down a mozzarella stick. I'll tell you that. Of course not. If you put fried cheese in front of any normal human being, they're more than likely going to eat the fried cheese. That's why it's number two on the list. <laughs> Fair. It's better. It's better than your Gatorade pick. Yeah, I don't feel that there's any outrageous picks this week. I think these are pretty. I think damn the only solid. outrageous thing you said is that spinach and artichoke dip is kind of healthy. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of <laughs> dumb, but I mean, it's healthier than most of the things I said on my list. No, it's not because you still have to put. You still have a vehicle to put the artichoke dip on that's going in your mouth, also, which uses I mean, a chip. But I've oh. also had spinach and artichoke dip with like carrots or like a celery, so yeah, you can have a restaurant. Healthy. You're not getting that in a restaurant. I, I know. So there are two big things you're missing here. What do you got, Drew? Anytime there's like a German-style big pretzel with a cheese dip and a mustard dip, hot, soft pretzel key, I have to get it every single time, really especially if it's hanging pretzels. on a hook. If you give me a pretzel that's hanging on a giant hook, I, I, pff, take my money. I don't care. Yeah. The other thing you're missing that I get every single time is if anybody's got a hot buffalo chicken dip, I'm getting it. It's just not commonly at restaurants. That's why I didn't put I love buffalo dip. It's wonderful. That's more of a thing that you have at like a house or a party or something like that. It's just, I just have not seen it on a lot of menus around uh, the United States or even other countries that I've been to. I've never seen it. <laughs> what, you were going through Italy looking for buffalo I mean, chicken no, dip? <laughs> you're not going to find it in Italy. I'm just saying. I mean, like, even like Canada, I don't think I've ever had buffalo dip there. One thing, and it depends on your take on if whether or not this is an appetizer – Buffalo wings. 
Oh, see, I usually I it could be an appetizer, but I get it a lot as a meal, so it, that's why it, I didn't the majority of the time is an appetizer. I, that's I've been having it. I've been using it my air fryer a lot and been having it a lot as a meal. That's why I haven't included that in my appetizer. But this was that's a great call though. A lot of people do get it as appetizers. This wasn't I this wasn't top oil. six meals Champ makes in his air fryer. That also could be an appetizer. <laughs> that, <laughs> that could that could be a list coming up soon. Who knows? You never know. All right, anyway. All right, I'm done with We're this. We're done with this. We're going to take a quick break. We come back. We're going to hand out some awards to the Iowa basketball team that we have made up to celebrate the season that has been Iowa basketball. We'll be right back. All right, Joe, you recording? All right, three, two, and one. We are back. We just got champs pick six of restaurant appetizers. We're shifting gears to get ready to get you guys ready for basketball. We're going to hand out some awards for the regular season to the Iowa men's basketball team. Things that we made up, things that nothing too crazy, but things we deserve, we feel deserve recognition. So we'll kick things off with the glue guy of the year award. And I am, I feel like it's appropriate for me to give this award out because it's going to Connor McCaffrey, in my opinion, because he was everything that I thought he wasn't going to be at the beginning of the year. If you go all the way back to our season preview when we had movie quotes, my movie quote was basically saying to stick with baseball and to give up basketball. He shut me the fuck up way more than I think anyone else could have expected. Not only keeping this team together, being that calming presence, being that point guard in control, but actually contributing at an crazy high level all year long. His assist, his assist to turnover ratio was remarkable. He finally started hitting threes to, to at least keep defenses honest. And he was just an overall like, extension of the coaching staff on the floor for these guys all year long. So to me, he is the glue guy of the year award. Jared Champ, any disagreements there? I mean, it's hard to disagree. I have uh, Connor McCaffrey bookmarked, bookmarked for another award later on in the show. So I'll just, just for the sake of argument, I will throw out Ryan Creener's name here because I think he was very big uh, to be a glue guy as well, especially uh, with the games that CJ Frederick missed. Ryan Creener stepping into that starting lineup, providing a nice boost. I think the games that CJ missed. Creener averaged close to like 14 points a game in those games, uh, and he provided the entire year. He was that glue guy coming in off the bench, scoring for you when needed. You know, obviously the last couple games were disappointing, but for the most part, I think Ryan Creener could also be a guy that you can call a glue guy of the year. I don't think you're wrong, Jared. Do you have any uh, any qualms? Anything else you want to add on on the glue guy of the year award? Absolutely not. The glue guy does all the things that nobody notices. The glue guy is the one that admits all the adversity and all the bullshit and all the problems, continues to get everybody together. He sticks up for his people. He sticks up for his teammates. It's Connor McCaffrey to a T. This is Connor's reward. This is basically the same award that he just got for whatever the the Big Ten um, sportsmanship. Exemplar- Sportsmanship, thank you, award that he got, which a lot of people seem to have a problem with, and all of you guys that do have a problem with it can literally I'm gonna yeah, tell them. (laughs) Correct. Yes, in other ways, but that way. But um, yeah, no, this is Connor's award, 100%. This guy 
we trashed him, we trashed him, I trashed him, I couldn't stop trashing him. It was the easiest joke to make in all of Iowa podcasting, Twitter, blogging. And this guy completely turned us around, and now Connor McCaffrey is my A.J. Przinsky, my Joakim Noah, the guy that you all love to hate, but we love to love. So I appreciate him so much, and glad he's around. So glad he's around. Jerry, why don't you give out the next award? Where do you want to go next? All right, so the next award I want to give up is going to be this kind of goes hand in hand here, but the redo of the year. And honestly, when I, when we came up with this award earlier, there was only one thing that I could say, and it's what I just said. It's Connor McCaffrey. I was so unbelievably wrong. All of us were so unbelievably wrong last year. All of us just wanted him to go play baseball. We didn't think he did anything for us off the, on the court, off the court, anything that he was just really just wanted to be a first baseman and hit dingers, which I mean, who does want to hit some dingers, but the dude's also hitting some threes in very pivotal times and getting the ball to Luca Garza when we need him to score the most. So yes, the biggest redo of the year is for this podcast and this blog to take back every negative thing we said about Connor McCaffrey and instead plant our flag and believe in the fact that the coach's son, who always seems to work in college basketball, was always going to work from the get-go, and I wish we would have been able to go back and well, do Jared, that. You know we, we have just some scars from the coach's sons playing on the basketball team. Yes, yes. Uh, good old Johnny Licklider didn't really do us any favors. So that, this is a, this is the reason we come to you, Connor, bear, asking for forgiveness because we had horrible experiences in the past. But the Ferentz kids did pretty good, so I mean, yeah, I, I'm a little disappointed that we didn't remember that specifically. Yeah, no. We, we should have known, though, because of what Fran is and how he's, his mentality. His mom was a great baller. Like, I just I feel like we should have known he's all along. He's we didn't get we, Fran on the court. I mean, he, he's an extension he of his father, who's a great coach, and that's what he does. He provides that type of leadership, that type of energy, that type of I-got-your-back attitude on the court, and it's wonderful for the Hawkeyes. It's much needed, too. I'm curious on how many of you out there, please tweet at me, wish that you could take back your Conor McCaffrey opinions too. Because I can see some people still being a little upset with him because he's Fran on the court. But I'm hoping the majority of you really do realize what he has done for this basketball team to solidify them when really we all know that his passion is baseball, but that's fine. Like we need him on this basketball team 100%. Yeah, I mean, it's you're right on. That was that was the book the award I had bookmarked for Connor McCaffrey as well as the redo of the year cuz let's face it, all three of us on our pregame show literally took a shit on Connor McCaffrey and told him we want you to go play baseball. We want nothing to, for you to have nothing to do with this basketball team. And without Connor McCaffrey, there is absolutely no way that Iowa finishes fifth in the Big Ten this year. I don't care how great Luka Garza's been, because we all know how great he's been. Without Connor McCaffrey, this team is a below 500 in-conference team, and they probably lose three or four more games without his leadership. And not only that, he hit some big threes in games. I mean, everybody wants to talk about how the, the intangibles with Connor McCaffrey, he made some big shots when guys like Joe Wieskamp or C.J. Frederick, who may have been injured or not playing his best, when we needed uh, Connor McCaffrey to hit big-time threes, he's done it a lot. He almost brought us back in that Illinois game. He had two huge threes in that game in Illinois that brought us to within single digits and then I think brought us to within two late in that game. So it's not all the intangibles. He's hit some big shots, too. Yeah. I mean, the only, thing to add, the only other thing from a redo perspective that I would throw out there is just the game against Nebraska in Nebraska. Oh, great call. <laughs> 
just get another shot at that game, and I think that's a very different outcome. Purdue, you know, in, in West Lafayette, Purdue's just its own nightmare. But that Nebraska game in Lincoln has just a lot of, I wish you could have a do-over on that one. Yeah, uh, and, that, and that, I think a lot, this was brought up in one of the recent games that Iowa played. A lot of that had to do with the game at the Palaistra a couple days before that where it was like 90, 90 degrees in that stadium. They needed to pump some air in because both Iowa and Penn State in their game after that had horribly tired legs. They couldn't hit shots. Iowa, I think, was like four for 35 from three against Nebraska. And so, yeah, that took a lot out of them, I wish. So a nice redo would be to put some air conditioning in that stadium. <laughs> Uh, Palestra's like a thousand years old, so that's uh, not right. I happening. mean, get yourself a nice little heating and air conditioning guy. He can install some things. <laughs> Champ, look up an air, a heating and air conditioning guy for the Palestra. Where are you going with your next award? So I'm going to go with the comeback story of the year for the Hawkeyes. And this is going to surprise some people, but I'm going with my boy Cordell Pemsel. I think everybody and anybody wrote him he's off. He's your boy now. He's my, I mean, he's the last game he played absolutely horribly against Illinois, so he might not be my boy for much longer. But he had a nice little stretch of about 10 games where he was very productive for this team. He came off the bench. He provided some minutes. He scored some points. He got some much-needed rebounds, which we've seen in the last few games is, is something that this team is lacking. And Everybody wrote him off. Everybody thought, you know what, another year of Pemzel, he's hardly ever going to play. He's like the 10th or 11th, 12th man on this bench. He's going to see time in blowout games. But he provided a lot of things for this Iowa team, and he was a key contributor, whether it was you know eight minutes a game or sometimes he played up to 20, 25 minutes of effective basketball. And, and, and he was big, and I got to give him credit because we all – didn't think we'd get anything out of Cordell Pemsel this season. No, I think you're 100% right. He had the the weirdest trajectory of a season in terms of going, just getting arrested again and getting pulled over again and having to deal with that in season. And he, in the middle of just not playing well, not having any confidence to having some big minutes down the stretch when this team really needed him, when Kreener was in foul trouble, when the injuries were mounting, it's really almost a no-brainer. There's not really a guy that had to, had to come back from as much as he did and did come back from as much as he did this year. Yes, sir. All right, let's go to the biggest surprise. And I'm going to throw out just what's happened recently here. It's Joe Wieskamp slumping. I don't understand where this is coming from. I don't understand what's causing it. Jerry, you and I during the Illinois game are texting about what it could be possibly being and just a, something funky with a shot. To me, this is the biggest surprise and also potentially the biggest, you know, hurdle for the rest of the season for the for this team the rest of the way. They can't get consistent scoring from Joe Wieskamp. And so to me, just he needs to figure it out. And it's been such a, a bad surprise the last what, six, five, six games? It almost seems like it's been longer than that. It could be. Is there any other big surprise, Jerry, that you have, you have that you would throw out there? 
Yeah. Okay. One, yes, my brain initially went to Joe Wieskamp, but I am Captain Optimist on this podcast, so I try to think of something positive. And honestly, the biggest surprise is the season that Iowa had. I think that ultimately overtakes the Joe Wieskamp slump here because we're going to try to be a little positive here. I think we've talked about it a lot. The last three, four, five podcasts, you guys can go tune in and you can rehear it all again. It's us defending Fran, us defending you know what this season is, the, going against a Franuary season slump and um, even kind of doing an anarchy towards this March slump that, that has kind of happened here and everybody's saying it's the same as last year based on the type of trajectory that they're on and how many games they lost to finish the season but Iowa should not have been here Luca Garza should nobody expected to be here this season has been spectacular we've all had a blast the fans seem to have turned it around at Carver Hawkeye Arena and that's a, a big applause to you guys for showing up in the, in the middle of snowstorms to give Carver one of the best home court advantages in all of the Big Ten so, yes, in the end of the season, will I remember Joe Wieskamp sl- having a sophomore slump and, and having really not following through on his shot that I'm noticing? Or am I going to remember the season that was and how much I, my opinion changed on the fans in Carver-Hawkeye Arena and how well Fran McCaffrey was able to coach this team up? That's the one I'm going to lean on. That's a good one. That's the one everyone should lean on. Champ, what about you? What's your biggest I surprise? mean, that's a, that's a great call by Jerome. I can't think of anything better than that and as just the, the season as a whole. Yes, I, I I do agree with you, DC, that it is a big surprise that Wieskamp has struggled so much the last, let's say, eight to ten games. But yeah, when when you look at the season as a whole, I think the the most optimistic of the three of us, I think, had it at like a thirty percent chance that they would make the NCAA tournament. And they're a for sure tournament team going into the Big Ten tournament. I think we all would have been very happy with that going into this season. So yeah, let's let's jump on the positive train heading into the Big Ten tournament, and let's say uh, this season as a whole is uh, the biggest surprise. All right, Jerry, where do you want to go next with the next award? I want to go with the best moment. All right, what do you got? I I really hope that we're all in simpatico here. I think we. It's Jordan Bohannon annihilating Iowa State and leaving his cleats at the free throw line or half court or wherever the fuck it was on the floor. That was the best moment, the best way to possibly end his basketball career because I don't know if at Iowa, I should say, let me say it that way, at Iowa because we do not know if Jordan Bohannon is going to come back. You're gonna we die. do not know gonna what's going on with his Twitter. I am. We. I mean, look at his Twitter account. Look at his his, his Instagram account. I know that he's still like eh, going sliding people's DMs and leaving comments, but everything that's related to Iowa has been deleted and it's just gone black. So, if that's the last moment that I have of Jordan Bohannon after that NCAA push and that Tennessee game and everything he did against um, uh, um, Cincinnati, then I'm going to leave that as one of the greater uh, watching of Iowa basketball players I've seen. But that's the best moment it's for me. It's hands down, no no doubt about it, the best moment. And I, I even will throw in the, the whirlwind of, of reporters starting rumors of him transferring, adding to that moment. It really, I think, brought the Iowa fan base, and sure, that could honestly be the tipping point of Carver getting back to being a raucous environment. It's just the fans just being, you know what, we're going to get behind these guys and give them all their support. We'll do it on Twitter, and we'll do it also in Carver-Hawkeye Arena. I mean, you guys are right on. What's better than a guy going in, uh, you know, Hilton Head or whatever the fuck that stadium is called, beating Iowa State, 
Hilton Head's in yeah, South Carolina. I'm sorry, I know. It's not Hilton Head. It's in just South Hilton. Carolina. Hilton, yeah. Hilton Coliseum, whatever the hell you want to call it. Leaving your shoes on the court after going in there and absolutely dominating the Cyclones that day. Iowa hammered them. It wasn't even close. It's proven to be not such a lovely win because Iowa State is horrible this year. But in the in the moment, was absolutely awesome. J-Bo, that's definitely the best moment of the year. You can't beat that. There is one contender left, though. What do you got? Luca Garza winning Naismith's Men's College Basketball Player of the Year. We'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that uh, award a little bit later. But, Champ, where do you want to go next? Uh, I'm going to go with another obvious one, I think, and it's going to be the sixth man of the year. I think we all agree uh, who that's going to be. That's going to be Ryan Creener. I mean, Riley Till? You know, he did come in and get a nice little basket against Illinois. I was like, that's Riley Till. He made that layup. That was crazy. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely Ryan Creener going into the year. We uh, we all thought he was going to be a pretty positive influence on this bench. I think he should have won Six Man of the Year award for the entire Big Ten, but that's another argument. Uh, he was exceptional all year. Whenever they needed him to come in and provide offense, provide some rebounds, Ryan Creener did that, and uh, I think he went out with a great senior year. And he's uh, your Sixth Man of the Year for as far as I'm concerned. Jerry, anything else to add on Ryan Creener? No quarrels there. No, I mean, it's. I think, Jerry, you tweeted it. I don't remember if it was the Illinois game or the Purdue game, but we're all going to miss Ryan Creener next year. Hands down. Yeah. He, he has played such an important role on this team this year, and he's won a lot of – not that he had to win a lot of people over, but he's won a lot of people over, and it's been – he's been great to see off the bench and kind of coming in and, and playing big minutes when, when the team's needed him. Let's go to the pivotal stretch, and then we'll wrap things up here with – we'll go back to our movie quote preview and give you our pick for the National Player of the Year. But pivotal stretch, again, I think this is, to me at least, pretty straightforward. It's the five-game win streak following the Nebraska loss. That game – I mean, that streak really set the tone the rest of this way for this team. And, I mean, there's no other – I mean, real stretch that this team bounced back from. any showed you the bouncing back from adversity and what they could do all year long. Jared Champ, do you guys have any disagreements with that? Uh, I don't. I mean, that was huge, especially losing a game like that to Nebraska, who's, let's face it, the worst team in the Big Ten this year. I mean, you could, the season could have taken a dramatic turn the opposite direction after losing a game like that. And then to roll off a nice five-game winning streak, beating some damn good teams during that five-game winning streak was absolutely huge for this team. Absolutely. All right. So we'll go back to our movie quote here that we used to preview the season. Which movie quote, Champ, I'm going to have you answer this question, because it was your movie quote, but what was the quote that was the most accurate to preview the season? Uh, I mean, I got to give a little love to myself. It was, <laughs> it, was, it was my movie quote, a little Denzel Washington action from Training Day, an exceptional film. It's, do you want to be a wolf or do you want to be a sheep? Oh, and you know, Luca Garza provided that wolf status this year. He definitely was not a sheep. He was a wolf. He was an absolute monster. Be- any better than any of our expectations could have any any of us could have ever dreamed of. I mean, the guy is the Big Ten Player of the Year. We'll get to the National Player of the Year here next up. But yeah, Luca Garza played like the ultimate wolf. He let that peacock fly, and he was an absolute wolf all year long for this Iowa team. And without him, we're not even going to the NIT, let alone the NCAA tournament. Absolutely. I mean, Champ, you had you hit the nail on the head. We loved it in the moment. 
We loved it early on in the season. It hands down was the most accurate. Do you have anything else to add on the movie quote that was the most accurate? No, I legitimately only made this up so I could hear Champ do the quote <laughs> one more time. <laughs> All right, well then you can answer this. The National Player of the Year award should go to who? Obi Toppin. Why? Uh, because he dunks on ESPN one time and that makes everybody really happy. Who are you really giving it to? It's Luca Garza, the werewolf that is not a sheep, the peacock that is flying, the man that has given us the blessing and maybe murderer that is Frank Garza, who is on Twitter tonight showing everybody his skyhook and how he taught it to Luca Garza. Luca Garza has continuously dominated no matter how bad or how good the rest of his teammates have performed. He's the only reason that Iowa is really in this position if we actually go back and look at these things. He's been dominating the entire season. He's Tyler Hansbrough in a taller body at the University of Iowa. Nobody expected him to be this good. He was just a, uh, he was a decent top 100 recruit, but nobody expected him to kind of explode this way. And the fact that we have him right now doing the things that he's done, leading us back to the NCAA tournament, getting us not one, but two wins in the Big Ten tournament. This is the national player of the year, and maybe he does not dunk on dudes on ESPN every night when you guys are tuned into Scott Van Pelt, but if you are actually watching these basketball games there was no other person more important to his basketball team than this guy right here give him the crown to build on that because a lot of people are trying to make the argument is that he did it in the best conference which i think is the only argument you need but then people come back and say well obitopen is athletic enough to do what he did in the big 10 that's great i'm not gonna say he can't do it but we're going back to the fact that Luca Garza did do it. He did go through the entire season and put up the stats that he put up that are among the best in the history of the Big Ten Conference in Big Ten play. He did that. He carried this team. He battled double, triple, hell, even quadruple teams to still score baskets for this team when he was the only source of consistent offense at times. There is no... There shouldn't be an argument here in whatsoever of who should be the player of the year in, in my in anyone's mind. It should go to Luka Garza for what he did in the toughest conference in all of college basketball, and he did it night in and night out. It's so goddamn blatantly obvious who should win this award that it's a, it's a joke that it's even discussed. Obi Toppin, if this was the national dunker of the year, yeah, give it to Obi Toppin. But this is the national player of the year. You guys have mentioned all the things. Luca Garza, night in and night out, went against great, great big men in this league. He never had a night off. There's not nights where he can go play a garbage-ass team like most of the season that Obi Toppin has played. Let's face it, his conference is not good, and he put up a lot of numbers against teams that aren't nearly as good as anybody in the Big Ten. And let's put another thing in perspective. He didn't even put up the same numbers Luka Garza did. Luka Garza out-rebounded him. He outscored him. He shot better from three. He did everything better than Obi Toppin the entire season. 17 straight games. Luka Garza has scored 20 or more points. If that's not the model of consistency, I don't know what is. If they, if Luka Garza doesn't win National Player of the Year, I've said this all year, for, for sure the second half of the season. If Luka doesn't win National Player of the Year, they shouldn't even give out the award anymore. That's how adamant I am <laughs> that he is the best player in the country. It's not close. I understand it's probably going to be close in the voting but it shouldn't be. It's hands down Luka Garza. He's been the best player all year and has led Iowa to a great season that nobody expected. 
Luca Garza also did, and this is, takes nothing away from his teammates on the Iowa team. He's done it with less around him. And to me, that also speaks volumes. And that's another reason why, Champ, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. If, if he does not win the award this year, they should stop giving out the award. We won't ever recognize that award again <laughs> on this show if Luca Garza doesn't win it. We'll make that promise. We will never talk <laughs> about the National College Player of the Year again on this podcast if Luca Garza does not come away with that award. Sporting news will be the only thing that ever matters again. Uh, no, we'll just make our own National Player of the Year award and give that out and recognize that as the true National Player of the Year. Perfect. Right. Then we'll partner with Sporting News. That too, that works too. All right, guys, let's wrap the show this week. Reminder to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Tell a friend to subscribe. Tell them tell a friend to subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at BlackHeartGoldPit or at BHGP, at Shy People's Champ, at Jerry Sherwin, and at Dave Cray. I'll talk to you guys again next week previewing Iowa's first round tournament game in the NCAA tournament. Hopefully there's some fans there and they're not playing an empty stadium. For Jared, for Champ, D.C., go Hawks. Iowa's going on the run in the Big Ten tournament. Mark it down, baby. Dip beautifully, my friends. Trick or treat, Iowa City. If you don't love it, leave it. USA, number one. <laughs>